Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Anyway, welcome back to the podcast. It's time for another episode of the Young Grog Narn Show with the campaign of the he- Beckons of the Herald of Steel. I don't know why I'm having trouble with that name. Bohos. Ho, ho, hoes. Um, with the adventure series, The Queen, and the quest, The Way of the Queen, our party in the last episode got quite a bit of information from Ortegler the Clever, including some strange beliefs that perhaps, perhaps the Queen is something to be questioned. The party also heard that they're going to have to go help a friend of the wizard in order to get the alchemical components necessary for such a powerful spell to capture the Hydra, and so they're hell-bent on their way to go into Gabora to go find a certain pyther to go see what's going on. The party themselves are, well, I guess headed on their way there now. Um, yeah. So without further ado, I guess when the wizard pops back into his little wizardly tower on the chessboard, you guys are free to head to Gabora. So I guess that'll be a survival check to get back. How far away is Gabora from where we are? Uh, it's about two days' journey by road from Glint, so you could do a couple survivals to get back to Glint, and then just take the road to Gabora, unless you guys wanted to travel strictly through the woods. The most direct path. Oh no! Well, uh, roads are preferable in almost every imaginable in almost every imaginable form. <laughs> That's not the most direct path, Anthony. <laughs> Maybe, but you know, there's a reason that roads go the way that they do. It's the easiest path. I don't know, time. man. I trust Klika's plus one. She can't go wrong with that. Plus, Ronnie on average gives yeah, her about but, two points bonus. That's like a whole three. Well, I mean, do we want easy or do we want fast and direct? I hate to break it to you, but traveling through the woods is going to be a long ride. Nothing's fast when you get lost in the wilderness. Okay, why are we entertaining this idea? Can we get survival checks, please? Am I getting guidance on this one? No. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> I see Ronnie looking in her little personal mirror over there. <laughs> She's like... Guidance. I'll give you guidance. One second. The nearest hospital for your yearly checkup. You get one point. That's an 11. So with that, the party starts to head back towards the creek, making their way back to that same fork. Can I get one more check as it's about 2 o'clock now? Do you need another guidance? How long does guidance last? 
it just for the next check. Ah. Yeah, I don't want to say usually you have to give guidance pretty much every single roll, but that's you usually get three how people more points. How many? Two more? Three. Ooh. That's a 19 then. Dang. So the party makes it back to Glunt with very little effort. Um, and as you guys are heading back, you can see people already headed back to their farms. And about this time of day, some people are starting to kind of like gather up the last of their crops and head in and gather up the rest, the rest of their tools and head in. But for the most part, it seems like the town's kind of coming to a sleepy close. Um, it is only about four o'clock, but it does seem like the town's kind of turning in. So would the party like to stay here for the night or get a head start on the road? Norhill would like to continue the march. Yeah, I'm good to keep going. Dang. Dang, okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I mean, if, if you guys are. I said this is an all or none sort of deal. I think his feet are tired. Someone has to carry her if we're going to keep going. Uh, all right, Klika, hop up. I take it Anton's cool with this too. Yeah, he'll just make sure, because we're, we're basically going to be traveling in the dark. He'll have, um, you know, what do I have? I don't know. Do you have? I have a light as a cantrip. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, the party can just light torches. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who needs them? I mean, if you guys <laughs> want to light torches, that's fine. I just want to or see. A table or a lantern, if you guys have a lantern. Yeah, and that that will last longer than the light cantrip anyway. So with that, okay. you guys can head into town and go buy a lantern for like I'll give you it to you for five like, gold and I'll give I... you enough. I'll give you two vials of oil. I'll right. see if I have a lan I don't have a lantern. Does anyone actually have one? I don't no. think any of the packs come with one. I think no. Oh. Uh, so Jarzak's gonna stop in the shop, grab the lantern and oils for the five, and then ask uh he sculpted them fish and asked how much for the for some fishing gear. Okay, so the fishing gear will just be two gold pieces, and they'll give you the full set with the rod, the string, and everything, including the lures. Seven gold pieces total. Cool. And so with that, the party's on their way with the lamp going, and it came with two sets of oil that last like five or six hours at end. So you guys will be well into the night before that oil runs out for the first part. So the party How's start. The weather looking. Uh, why didn't somebody tell me? How does the weather look? Let's start this improv travel off right. We have two days of travel ahead of us. So who's going to be first? The season is autumn, right? Mm-hmm. Late autumn. Ooh, what are we thinking? Come on, somebody say something. Anything. I'm going to be honest. I think, I think Anton's going to be a little spooked and won't say anything. He's... <laughs> Well, I'm talking about the no. I'm talking about improving travel scenes. I'm saying like, like I mean, it's, it's fair. It's not going to say anything. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's a little well, cloudy. Like just... Okay, we'll say it's cloudy, but overall, it's free of rain and stuff. It's a windy night, and it's cloudy, so the moon doesn't peek through too much. I think um, Klika's going to saddle up next to Nora Hill while we're traveling. And see if Norhill will teach her some like basic uh, dwarvish phrases like "Where's the library?" and "My name is Klika." 
yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, Norhill Nor <laughs> will uh, will oblige and give because some basic phrases. Yeah. But a lot of the phrases that he starts teaching are like you know military parlance. Yeah, Klika Klika now knows how to call out certain f enemy formations and also the name of every simple weapon, but still does not know how to introduce herself or ask where the bathroom is. <laughs> Ironically, bibliotech happens to be the word for it. No, I'm just kidding. Just, uh, knows how to call out any direction an enemy's coming from. <laughs> but that's about it. Okay, so that's fair. And so on this cold, windy night, as those two are having their little speechy there, um, was there something that somebody else wanted to improv into this reality of travel for the evening? Yeah, I will say that overall... Because there's such a lack of like rainfall around here, much of the leaves are free to travel. So with the gusting wind, there are those like deep spirals of leaves that kind of drift across the road, this little cobbled path here that slowly becomes more gravelly and then more just trodden earth. So for what it's worth traveling between the trees out here between Gabor and Glint, I mean, the leaves are kind of rustling back and forth and playing some tricks on the ears as the trees start to wiggle about in the wind. The first couple times Jarzak sees the like whirlwind of leaves he's gonna rush up and say i hit an enemy that's <laughs> at it swinging battle exit tumbling leaves very good no false alarm false alarm guys <laughs> and what's anton doing on this he's just gonna have his prayer book out and just nervously mumbling prayers and looking in the shadows just all wigged out Kind of reminds me of that animated Ichabod Crane one for the. I was uh, gonna yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so goddamn much. It's so good. It's sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. But um, Ichabod. Ichabod Crane. Anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, with it, after you guys kind of pierce through a bit of the veil of trees here, by the end of your travels, about like nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, it seems like you've hit about I don't want to say halfway point but you reach sort of like a clearing past a thicket of trees that you come stumbling out of. And it seems like for what it's worth, the wind is worse here, but the clouds are separating a bit and the moonlight comes creaking out. So it does seem like you have a lot more natural light out here, but you're out kind of out in the plains. So if you'd like to, you could set up something of a camp. Would somebody like to tell me where they'd like to set up camp for the evening? Come on, y'all. Let's well, go. We're camp. in the middle of a plains. What's in the middle of a plains other than grassland? Well, I mean, you could go farther away from the road. You could stay on the road. You could try to see if there's a bit of an elevation. You could try to see if there's something to hide behind. Rocks, maybe. Tall grasses. There's a lot of things in the plains, Ronnie. It's not just grass. It's not just a Lego base plate out there. Just green. Clicka, Clicka, where'd you go? Norhill is going to look for a slight hollow in the land. Okay. So somebody who's you know looking uh, looking out from anywhere other than a high vantage point would overlook us. Okay, that's fair. And I'll say that you can find something of like a little bit of like a waterway, like something of like an offshoot of a creek or something that was maybe underground. Seemed to fill like fetter off into something of like a little gulch or something like that. But because it's so dried out and it's so like much of like a dead little creek that all that's left behind is something of a ditch like you were talking about. And it does seem like that uh, with the wind being as such, it kind of goes over this gulch. So you guys aren't really hit by much of that on your tent, which you guys kept the tent that you got from the lady. Yeah, when she was yeah, dead, we would have gotten rid of it. Fair enough. So I mean, I'll say the tent's big enough to keep two people in it. So Jarzak has a tent as well. Oh, okay. 
So we're just going to set up both tents and go to Betty Buys. Did you want to set up a campfire? Yes. <laughs> just Anton. Yes. <laughs> okay. So Warhill cautions Anton against starting a campfire because that's the big giant signal, like, hey, somebody's here to anybody in the area, but he won't stop him. Light is not only a sign of light is a sign of hope. Don't don't dissuade me, Doriel. <laughs> so tell that to all the travelers who have ever been waylaid by bandits when they started the fire when they couldn't have. Now remember, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning, Anthony. <laughs> I had to do it. Fuck all of you. <laughs> but okay. Oh, oh whatever, Ryan. Fuck off. If I didn't do it, you would have done it. All right, I'm sorry. Y'all can come back now. Stop being muted. Okay, so with that, is there an order of watch? How do we want to do this? Who's number one? Quick, quick, quick. Who's I'll number, be one? number one? Okay, number two. I am number two. <laughs> number three. I think we'll take third. And Anton wakes up with the morning light. Praise the sun. Okay, and so luckily for you guys, over the process of the night, the only thing that happens is Norhill here is at like the crack of midnight going on to one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. The sound of some sort of a screeching, howling in the distance, but it seems far enough away that it's nothing to be truly worried about. It just carries on the wind in a way that perhaps is just the trees or something like that. But then a few hours later, uh, Klika hears the, at the like last remnants of night and the moon, the sounds of some baying wolves or coyotes or something like that. But with that, I mean, that's pretty much all that happens throughout yeah. the night. And okay, I was going to say, like, as soon as uh, Jarzak realized Anton fell asleep, he puts the fire out after realizing that Anton's going to be awake when it's light out. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, we don't need this attracted anyone. Anton sleeps crying. <laughs> Just goes to bed like... <laughs> Just woke up to go to the bathroom or something, sees the fire out, and they're all just chuckling about how much of a baby Anton is. <laughs> Anton just rolls over. Dear diary, they're all so mean to me. <laughs> like, wait, do you see that light inside of her tent? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> splash it out. The tent's glowing. Just, oh, never mind. I'll relight it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> Just a little nightlight plugged into the side of the tent. Like, how does that even work? Like, with the power of light? That doesn't answer my question. Yeah, but as soon as the fire goes out, the light cantrip just clicks on. You just hear an audible click from <laughs> Anton's it's tent. It's his thumb. Yeah. Anton's prepared reaction yeah. in case it goes dark. I was hoping it was like a clapper. And you just... <laughs> a- Anton's going to need his own dawn star. Yeah. If people don't know what that is, Anthony. You can't just throw that in here. But uh, with that, I mean, it goes by without a hitch, and everybody wakes up well-rested easily enough in the morning, and you guys have the whole road ahead of you before you make it to Gabora. So following the road for the next day, um, it's pretty much a perilous journey. I mean, uh, uh, without peril, rather. Peril-less. <laughs> yeah, not perilous, but perilous. Less peril. Yeah, I was just like, is that supposed to be bad? Like, this is a big word, damn, <laughs> hey, but man. I'm pretty sure I know what it means. <laughs> Listen, man, it's perilous, but y'all managed pretty well. There's like an alligator at one point. <laughs> Holy he, crap. But he was cool, though. He was just drinking, like, iced tea or something like that on the side of the road. He's just like, it's I. And you're like, I. 
But anyway, the party makes it to the outskirts of what appears to be the town of Gaborah. And even just judging by where you guys are in the hills and looking over Gaborah, Gaborah seems to be running along a larger river. But it seems to run in like alongside it. And you guys can see something of like a water wheel in the distance that's kind of running alongside this river. Um, but you can see from all the farmland and all the houses that this place is probably double the, double the size of Glint. And it seems to be much more of like an established territory. Um, but you can see that it's kind of bordered in by a bunch of thickets of trees and whatnot. But yeah, from where you guys are standing out here, um, you reach the town at about, I'd say about two o'clock in the afternoon. Could I get two trail rations off for the party for the days of travel? Each one uh, of you, two. Just a quick question. Yeah. Is, you said Gabora, right? Yep. Is there a nearby town called Sabum? Mm, no. <laughs> the biblical reference. Oh, Sabum and Gabora. <laughs> you know, and you get mad at me for saying we didn't fucking start the fire. You know what? <laughs> Jeebus. Rip. Jeebus Christ. <laughs> But, um, okay, so with that, you guys can see that uh, the town is down below. So what would you like to do? You're going to be coming in by the, uh, the bridged entrance. So what's the plan for entry? Any marching order or anything? anything? Hmm? Is there a toll or anything? No, I mean, it just seems like there's a large, well-established bridge on the way in. There's a couple of houses on the way in, but it doesn't seem like there's anything super fancy or anything like that. Hmm. Uh, does Norhill know anything about this town? Uh, that would be a history check. Is this the first bridge of the campaign? Oh, no. Uh, probably. Oh. So probably not with a nine. No. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those small towns in the area. You can tell it's probably just more of a farming community than anything. Probably nothing super special. Clearly you got a 15 on history. Okay. Yeah, I mean, from what you can tell, this place is a pretty well-established farming community with a bunch of good bakeries that usually send off kind of like delicacy rolls to places like Glory Wake and through longer travel make their way to Eagle Heart. But again, they're known for, you know, just having kind of rustic breads and things like that. So it's not like a very well-established, like booming economy, but it's a very humble place where like a lot of, you know, good food comes from, I guess you could say. Um, but apart from that, nothing of real mention here. Um, you know that there is, or at least it was some sort of a council structure to this place. And it seems like there's sort of a, a group of elders who overlook it, but they all do in you know one way or another end up sort of reporting back to the queen. But apart from that, um, yeah. So is there any sort of major way that like the party's entering this place? Is there like a marching order or is somebody sort of going to be kind of the prepped like person to talk to people or is it just the cluster of four just kind of walking in aimlessly? Uh, not a lot of people are used to seeing me. So like, uh, yeah, I've carried Klika like half the way here, but we're probably not gonna rush in first to town. Okay. Unless you want to, Klika. Like, uh, uh, we're just gonna get some weird looks being a like being you stacked on me. I, uh, I don't know. I Klika can try to walk. Okay. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Her little feetsies. Okay. Charizard goes to put Klika down, and I imagine just imagine that little kid thing where their feet start moving before yeah. they hit the ground. Just snorting and painting. 
hit the ground. Just <laughs> like, oh, hey, there she goes. Quick, the town's this way. <laughs> huh? <laughs> okay. Um, and so with that, I mean, I guess we'll just have you two towards the back, and then Anton and Norhill will be sort of leading the charge to the entrance of Gabora. Um, and so as you guys are heading into Gabora and heading over towards that large bridge, uh, you guys can see that there are, in fact, a couple of guards uh, sort of manning the bridge. But I will take a perception check on that real quick. What do we got for perception? 19. Oh. 17. Seven. What'd you say, Ronnie? Seven. Oh, good. Is Cleek's going to pull in clutch on this one? One. <laughs> nope. <laughs> So both Jarzak and Norhill, upon heading towards the bridge, you guys can see that the two men who are on this side of the bridge kind of stand up in a way that doesn't seem very, like, rigidly structured, like, I'm on duty kind of standing up. And instead, it looks more like they're standing up like a couple of guys who are kind of sleezing their way over to you. So they kind of, like, slink over, and you guys can tell as they're approaching. They're wearing, like, studded leather and bandanas, and it doesn't seem like the kind of people who would be employed to assist a town like this. And almost to answer your, like, eye rolling, rubbing the, you know, the kind of crease of your nose ridge there where you're like, oh, God, please don't let this be. And then they call out and they say, hail, hail, who's trying to get entrance to Gabora, home of Calgir and the Shendel Grip? And you're like, you know what? It's not worth it. None of this is worth it. I don't want to know who a Shendel Grip is or what any of this shit is. <laughs> Calgir can suck it. We're leaving. <laughs> And they're like, well, around immediately leave. <laughs> Sorry, order glare. Never mind the Hydra thing. Why don't you come with us and help? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? Let's go get a pizza. I'm over this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, they call out and they say, "Who dares enter?" It's Klika. I am called Norhill Hammerstone, and these are my associates. I say, what's your business here? Travelers. And with that, you can see two more of those kind of scruffy-looking guys come walking from the far side of the bridge over to here, numbering four of them now. Not saying that they look super tough and rugged, but it does seem like if push came to shove, I mean, they'll put up something of a, of a decent fight. Like, they all seem to be armed and dangerous. And as you guys come over here, um, you said what you were trying to do now? Uh, I said that we were travelers. And so with that, he says, well, maybe you should keep on traveling. Glory waking, but more than a couple days from here. And heck... If you keep going, maybe you can go to Glint instead. Two days for both of them. If you got no business here, we don't need you. Well, you see, we came from Glint, so we can't go back that way. And you know, we're 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 tired. Uh, we, we need to we need to rest our weary feet. And uh, Norhill sort of you know, jingles uh, the coin purse, and we've got gold to spend. And so with that, one of them kind of nods his head back a little bit, and he says. Well, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm sure there's some sort of hospitality we can muster in the town for you, good folk. Uh, you do have to leave your weapons here, unfortunately. So I am going to have to collect all of your weapons and wares of that regard. See, this town is one that's faced a lot of difficult times. And in fact, we're about to have a hanging right now for such evil acts in the town. So if you'd be so kind as to drop off all of your weaponry, would be very appreciative. Is that a common cultural thing in this region, like weapons inside town boundaries are illegal? 
I wouldn't say that it's typical, but you could expect in some of the more like well-orchestrated, well-controlled, lawful good kind of flavored towns, that this is something you could expect if there is something of like a, a lockdown of sorts in a town, or if there is like some danger in the town that in a lawful city, one that's got a lot of organization and structure, that people demanding weapons would make sense. But judging by the fact that these guys played so much into gold coins clinking and they don't seem to be your typical guards, this feels like somebody not trying to do it for legal reasons. And instead it seems more of like trying to limit the dangers of their authority. You know what I'm saying? I mean, wasn't it the only other time we had our weapons taken was queen which like oh, that totally checks out yeah. so uh jarzak's just gonna be like no i'm not i'm not gonna be giving you my weapon i'll wait here then i'll take you i'll hang out with your weapons guys yeah <laughs> he's just gonna sit down and so with that, the uh, four guys all look very confused as if they're not expecting this response. And so they look at the other three who are still standing and they say, well, are you going to give us the weapons or are you going to give them to him? And one of them kind of steps forward a little bit, sort of wringing his leather gloves out a little. And he says, because it'd be a shame if on the day of a hanging, we had to, I don't know, cause any more trouble than need be. Bloodshed really does so bad for a name like Gaborah. No, no trouble if the weapons are outside of town, right? And so the guy who was at first excited to hear the jingling of coins, he kind of looks over at Jarzak and he says, you think you're pretty cute pulling a move like that? I think we don't know what you're trying to do. You know exactly what we're asking for those weapons for. You're going to hand them over to us as he looks at the other three and he says, or you're not getting in. How far away are these people? They're like 10 feet away, not even. Like you guys are just a line of four facing a line of four. Uh... Apparently one of you is sitting down, though. <laughs> Can I choose to lay prone before combat? Yeah, like, that'd be great. <laughs> just seize initiative and just crit. <laughs> just kill Jarzak because he wanted to be obstinate. Ah, uh, there you go. So I'll use my movement to stand up, half of it, of course. Wait, we're not doing turn <laughs> order. You just stand up. And then my bonus action to charge in. <laughs> is this happening right now? Um... <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure about this. Is this what's happening? No. Okay, thank God. I was like, no. oh no, here we go. <laughs> no, their weapons will be safe with me. Safer with me than you. Did you want to do an intimidate check for that or something? Sure. It's still called intimidate in this one, isn't it? Yeah. A <laughs> uh, 21? Sure. And so with that... Things change. Things stay the same shit don't change but anyway they uh look back and forth at one another and they say sure yeah you can hold the weapons but we're keeping a good eye on you orc you only got two hands to use the weapons and there's four of us and all of a sudden you guys can see in the distance one guard comes like absolutely like running full speed down the hill towards the bridge um and by guard i mean one of these leather guard working so, people so with that Jarzak's just gonna chuckle and just these guys think i only have two hands <laughs> and everybody looks alarmed. All seven people afoot are just like. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, uh, Norhill will pass along uh, all of his weapons to Jarzak. Okay. Is this the case for everybody, both Klika and Anton? Klika make a sleight of hand check to hide Flicker somewhere on her body. Sure. Noticing. Hey. Sure. And 
Jarzak's gonna just like look at Klika and like kind of jingle the money a little bit so only Klika hears it to like kind of take his money because <laughs> he has a lot right now. Oh, yeah. Very good. So what do we got on our sleight of hand? 15. Okay. And so with that, one of the guards, or, or guards with quote-unquote, he kind of steps forward a little bit towards Gleek, and he says, we said all of the weapons, miss? Even the secret ones? And they all just kind of like stand there stone-faced at you. One of them kind of lets out a snicker, and he's like... <laughs> And they all kind of look at him for a second and look back at you. <laughs> like, even the secret ones. Hand it over, you green jerk. Like, oh, the secret hey. secret weapons over to Jarzak. Okay. And then is Anton going to play nice, too? Yeah. He doesn't really use them. That's okay. <laughs> Anton he's hands over the lantern. Hand over his crossbow and his, what else does he have the, uh, I never use? Flail, I believe. Bow and a mace. Or yeah, there you go. Yeah, it had to be some blunt weapon yeah. that we don't use. And Jarzak takes it from you upside down. That's how you handed it to him. And that's the only way he's ever seen one of these things being used. Nice. Yeah. I'm just going to go the whole campaign. You guys are going to get the enchanted mace of smiting and everybody's going to use it upside down and never use it right. <laughs> It's broken. <laughs> we were true to character, though. We died role playing that day. Um, sure, okay, and so with that, seem useful. That guy who's running down the hill finally gets over here and lets out a huff and a puff, and he's like kneeling over and he says, "They're gonna do it," and he's like panting real bad. And he's like, "They're gonna hang the guy." He's he's up there on the block. Let's go, go on, go on, go on. And then the guards over here, the four of them are like, "Well, no, we had to." Okay, you two stay here and watch that guy. And they look over at Jarzak, and the other three of them now go running up the hill to join. And the, the two Jarzak's gonna ask, uh, so what exactly did this guy do? And so they turn over at you and they say, Would you be quiet? It's none of your business. Let's leave this for the people who are going into town. And they say, Come on, if you're coming in, you're coming in now. Yeah, I'm gonna go yeah, no, hump up that hill. Okay. And so everybody goes hoofing it up that way. And judging by the small talk those two guys try to have by whispering to themselves by the bridge's edge, Jarzak, you can tell that apparently this guy was something of a bad, bad thief. And he tried to double cross Calgear, whoever Calgear is. And apparently he's being hanged as an example for his crimes. Apparently the name's Pyther, but I don't know if that matters to anybody. <laughs> and so once the party makes it up to the top of the hill, you guys can see a interesting assemblance of people where there assembly of people where there is like all the townsfolk you'd expect in this village square um, or town square rather. And you can see that there's a whole bunch of those guys in the leather suits. And it seems like there's 20 of them in total. Um, and there's one man who stands before like the gallows pole here where a single barrel is Hey, a barrel from Cooperford, nonetheless. Look at that, how far it's come. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's a single man, short, with thick mutton chops, and he seems to be balding pretty bad with a sweet little comb over on the top of his head, piercing blue eyes, and he's just kind of standing there with his hands tied behind his back. And you see a man standing before him, sort of kind of like pacing the grounds before him. And it seems like you guys are walking in on a bit of a speech here. But this man says out and he says, by all the rights invested in me as the leader of the Schendel Grip Brigade, I 
Say to you, O Pyther Lenswell, you sniveling thief, you snake in the grass. And you hear Pyther up on top of the barrel kind of back, back and he says, hey, 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 don't call me any of your mother's pet names, okay? Look, I'm not trying to make her jealous over here. And then you can see that Calgear turns this man here in the front and you can see he's got a single eye patch on. It would be strange if he had two, right? So he's got a black leathered eye patch on with a single blue sapphire in the middle of it encrusted with a few different little dinkly, tinkly uh, topaz stones on there. And he turns with this big brutal looking crossbow with something of like a, like a hard, fast kind of metal crank reloader on it. And he takes a moment and turns back to Pyther for a glance and he says, it's going to feel good to watch you hang, my friend. And he says, friend, again, none of your mother's pet name, sir. I, I just, I can't handle it. I can't handle that kind of love in my life right now. And so with that, as you guys come stumbling quick up the hill behind the guards who are panting very unhealthily, um, Cal Gear sort of takes a glance and look back at you guys. And he seems to be something of a very cliche, sort of swashbuckler looking, suave with dark wavy hair and a very popped open shirt. And he seems to be wearing like a leather vest, tight leather pants, leather boots. And he's got that mean looking crossbow at him. And he looks over at you guys as you all head up the hill. And he says, well, I'm glad that the whole town could be here to spectate. Again, I call upon you, Pyther Lenswell, for your crimes, attempted theft, and all the different things you've done to just annoy me so. I am sending you to the Great Makers, and I will be so glad to extinguish your light. Have you anything you'd like to say to perhaps, I don't know, change how I feel about this? And you hear somebody yell from the crowd in the leather gear, and he says, just hang him! Hang the bastard! And with that, everybody kind of starts to like look very uneasily back and forth. But it seems like there's a general sense of like, the townsfolk don't seem to be too concerned with this happening as if they're like, well, you know, you live like a dick, you die like a dick, I suppose. And all the leather cronies are just kind of like, <laughs> like swinging fists, like rooting for this guy to hang. And with that, for just a minute, it seems like as Pyther stands on top of this barrel, he's looking back and forth, the smile on his face kind of slips away with the wind as he kind of looks and realizes like, uh-oh. I think I've run out of cards up my sleeve. You know what I mean? And he looks around the group of people in assembly and he sees the three of you standing in the back and he kind of gives out like this like hopeless little look, like this quick little like uh, look. And he's just almost like gives kind of like a, like a shoulder shruggy kind of like, um, I think forgiveness is a great thing. I think people make mistakes and I think there's room for acceptance uh, by the light of, of virtue, the light will preserve those who seek it. And I seek forgiveness and redemption. I wish to be a changed man, Kalkir. I think things could be great if I was just a changed man. Perhaps one who is acquainted with the light could save me from my troubled, darkened path. I have strayed too far from the light, as if one of my eyes has been closed, only to be opened again. No offense. And Kalkir just looks up at him with just just this absolute disdain. And he says, and where are we going to find a holy man? No, I'm just kidding. And he just says, yeah, I bet you'd appreciate such a thing. I bet you would love some sort of redemption, but unfortunately you dog, you've been caught in my trap and I'm glad to see you hang. And so he walks over like he's going to kick the barrel or something like that. Can Norga like um, very quickly like elbow his way up to the front of the crowd? Sure. Uh, Kleeka's going to cast jump on Norhill. Oh, so Norhill's just going to bounce over the gang there? Can I get an athletics no. check for a sweet jump? Well, he's not going. He doesn't need to. I'm just saying he has jump cast on him. It, I've it's... never actually had somebody cast jump. How does that work? 
so for one minute, your jump distance is tripled. Oh, good. So Very you good. have a minute to do whatever it is. That's a, I guess Norhill all of a sudden feels very springy and he's, he sort of you know, leaps through the crowd. <laughs> Just jumping over people. They're like, what the fuck is happening? Just bouncing doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, Norhill finally kind of you know, superhero lands uh, before I, I imagine it's a, is it a full scaffold or is it just like a crossbeam with a barrel? It's pretty much a crossbeam with a barrel. It's a very loose gallows pole. It's not well made as if this town never had a need for it before whatever's going on right now. So, so Norhill like finally superhero lands, I guess, right in front of it and, and says, um, Calgir, I presume? And I so request a stay of execution. And so with that, he turns to you and he says, by what right and what authority, you sniveling bearded fool? That was not nice. <laughs> Anton approaches. Hey, I requested a formal apology. <laughs> like, who let you people uh, in here? In the name of Queen Alver, uh, Alveri Garavar herself. Uh, on the grounds that I'm carrying out a quest for her. So with that, he, he like, you can see he sort of like audibly sighs and like kind of shrugs and he's like, oh, oh, mm. I am, uh, and he sort of seems to be stumbling to find a good way out of this. And he says, unfortunately, I don't think I really recognize the authority of the queen at this point. In fact, the Shendel grip seems to be the only thing I'm truly concerned with. And as leader of the Shendel grip, I think I'm fully at executive power to decide. I don't care about some queen in a castle far from here. And I say the bastard should hang. What is the sh- what is the Shendel Grip? Is that a known group that Norhill could possibly be familiar with? Not really. I'm not sure I recognize any legal authority by that name either. And so with that, he kind of stops for a minute and he like kind of swoops his crossbow over to the side so that you get the full seeing of it. And you can see this thing looks like it's made out of some sort of like beautiful bone or something like that. And it's been like fully like carved out. It's just like this beautiful piece of machinery with a quick reloader on the side as if this crossbow is like souped up. And you can even see that there's something of like a scope on the top of it and everything. And he says, this is the Shandle grip. He says, this is my prize. And by the authority of all who follow the dutiful justice that it brings to this world, I, the keeper of the Shendel Grip, Kalgir, I am the Shendel Grip. And he turns to you and he says, as he kind of lowers the crossbow down slowly as if calibrating it and aiming it directly towards your little stumpy head. And he says, unless you'd like to recognize some authority. Um, while this exchange is happening, Pleco would like to. Are, are the guys in leather like um, mixed in in the crowd? Yeah. Okay. Can I try and get behind one of them without them noticing? Sure. Yeah, it'd be painfully easy to do so. Okay. Can I try and do they have weapons on their hips? Yeah, it seems like they all happen to have like a dagger and a club, something to that effect. Can I try and lift a dagger off of one of them? Sure. Slide a hand it. Now, if we were using 3.5 rolls, you'd have to start at a base of a 20 on a DC check. But luckily, it's 5th edition, and that's not important. Uh, I rolled a nat 20 anyway, so... Well, fuck. He, <laughs> he dropped it into your hand. He's like, well, I don't need this anymore. 
<laughs> you're like, oh, I, I thought it was a stabbing, not a hunging. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate that joke so very much. <laughs> this is the worst stabbing I've ever seen. Just chucks it behind him and just lands in front of Klika. Okay. <laughs> Picks it up. And so now you have a dagger. Okay. Is Anton right. doing anything in particular? Well, he heard basically the equivalent of the bat call. <laughs> the light. So he's like obliged. He has to like move his way through the crowd. Then when he wants it, makes it to the platform. He's like, I apologize for the need of justice, sir, but um, a priest of myself cannot ignore a plea such as that. If someone says they want the guidance of the light, I must adhere to that call. So with that, you see him again, like kind of troubled by Norhill's response and still having the crossbow aimed at him a little bit. He lifts it up very delicately and he looks over at you and he says, where did you people come from? And why have you come to ruin such a joyous occasion? This man is a thief. He's a cheater. He's a liar. Do you think he can be changed by the way of the light? And you see Pyther just like shaking his head super quick, like just say, say yes. I'm not here to uh, worry about that. And whatever these uh, things this man has done, he must surely answer. My request is merely for a stay, not a pardon. And so uh, that for th the length of time that he needs to serve his part in my quest. Damn, that is some lawful ass work right there to be like, literally, I don't care if you kill him after. I'm legally obligated to speak to this man. I don't care if you eat him after this. And he's just like, <laughs> I kind of like those odds. Pyther's just giving like two little thumbs up tight in front of his. He's like, sick. And then he's looking at the priest and he's doing like the hand, like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and so with that, Calgear kind of looks at both of you and gives just like an exhausted sigh and he lowers the crossbow again, and he says, oh, okay, well, because I don't want the Amarathian guard around here, I'll let him off the hook for now, but he stays in prison. Anything you need to hear from him is better heard with him alive and behind bars rather than heard from him free as a man. I don't need to free him from my custody. So if you wish to speak with him, you can speak with him under the direct advisement of my people in my prison. That is a good first step. I agree to your terms. And so with that, he gives sort of a knowing nod, and he looks over at Pyther, and he takes a couple of steps away and gives a swift kick to the barrel, and it goes flying out from underneath Pyther, as if Pyther was not expecting this at all, and swinging that crossbow around back, he pulls the trigger and shoots the rope clean, and Pyther falls to the ground with his hands tied behind his back, like flat on his face and on his front side, and he's just like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, we're okay. And with that, Calgear kind of swings it around behind his back again and latches it in the front. And he just starts walking off to probably the biggest estate in the area, which is sort of a, a walled off section of home behind the uh, courtyard. So with that, the people start to disperse and you guys can see the guards start to kind of disperse on their own as well, leaving you guys with the tied up pyther on the ground and the makeshift gallows now with the destroyed rope. Well, isn't he supposed to be brought to jail? Yeah, I mean, the guards are going to do that. They're just very inept, Ronnie. Did you not want to talk to him at all? Okay, fine. Because no, Ronnie says so, the I'm guards rush at full speed and knock <laughs> Anton out of the way. They say, halt, criminal scum. 
surprised they kind of left him with us. Yeah, it's it fine. Or go to prison. <laughs> yeah, he is tied up, laying on the ground. Well, no, I imagine like, all right, they, the guards would have went right for him. Ronnie, I get it. Him. We get it. Dan did a bad job. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, do you want to run the podcast too? Too. Okay, good. Me neither. So with that, the uh, guards come running over and shuffle him up and pick him up and start bringing him in the direction of the barracks, which are actually right connected to this area. It's uh, built onto the front of the estate that I was just talking about. So just north here in the um, in the uh, courtyard. And they start bringing him over that way. And he starts kind of like jumping as they're kind of dragging him, trying to keep his feet off the ground. And he yells back to you guys and he says, please, for the love of the light, do not forget about me because I'm afraid to find out what prison's like here. But I mean, I might, we're actively going to the prison with him. Like, I don't okay. know if there's any reason to wait. Oh, okay. Did we all see the sapphire gem in his eye patch? Oh, like, most definitely. It's a gaudy, ostentatious patch. Like it is, it is gleaming and shining. There's no way to miss it. I'm and imagining. That's... Oh, now I can't remember his name, and I can only think of Char- Charlotte. Jarlaxel. Yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, from the Legend of Drizzt. Yeah, there you go. Basically, good old pimpin' Jarlaxel. (laughs) So with that, was there anything you want to give for follow-up on that one, Kalika? I just, like, we need a sapphire for the spell component, correct? Yep. Hmm. (laughs) And so with that, Jarzak's (laughs) down at the bottom of the bridge there, and the two guards kind of looking back and forth at him, and they're kind of doing that thing where they're looking at you like, you know... And kind of giving that sort of like leaning back and forth look, and they say, it is a shame that your friends left you down here all by yourself, huh? Sure is. And with that, uh, I don't want to interrupt all that, but while they're gone, Jarzak's essentially going to be casting false life on himself. So, it, which requires some, some alcohol, yeah. So he just like opens up a bottle, takes a little sip, and then does the thing where like when you spray like water out your mouth from laughing or whatever but just like looks looks directly up and does that and as it hits his like face just little holes open up where like bugs are starting to crawl out oh my god i can see jarzak very well it's a necrotic spell so like i figured that would work we've just gone full on just like full shoulder first into this whole this is coming out of jarzak trope this is a big step for the player jared who does not like bugs at all. <laughs> and so with that, they see that, and both of them look very much perturbed and disturbed by this, and they say, hey, I don't know what you're doing, but you better stop. It's gross. Yeah, it's a shame they left me out here with you two. <laughs> and they're like, listen, man, we can kill you. We could say you've done any number of things, and we wouldn't even feel bad about it. And both of them pull out short swords, and they say, now quit whatever it is you're doing, or get ready to die. I'm always ready to die. <laughs> they're like well then I guess you won't be too alarmed when I do this and then we roll initiative shit <laughs> I don't know why Jarzak reminds me of Drax from Guardians that's, of the Galaxy that's who he was going for so yeah, that's know, our, our like, intro one was shit. So well. I keep seeing it I'm like this is so well embodied <laughs> 16 Okay, so you go first. I got 15. (laughs) 
So there's these two guys at the mouth to this bridge, and then there's a river flowing directly underneath it. Apart from that, it's a very, like, it's clear out here. There's nothing going on. Where away are they from me? Five feet, if that. Five feet? Okay, okay. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, yeah, I'll burn, I'll burn a spell, man. Okay. I mean, you're a warlock, right? So you can just take a power nap and you pretty much get it all back anyway. Yeah, yeah pretty pretty much just short wrestle. They're all dealing with town stuff. It's like, I only get two <laughs> spells, but if I take a nap, they're back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so you're I'm going to use a, a wrathful smite. So I'm going to make a, that melee attack. Okay. And what's that look like? It look, it, you know... Is that one of the ones where you don't have to use the spell slot unless it hits? Uh, oh, yeah, the next time you hit with the melee weapon use. attack yeah, you during the spell the duration. Slot, but it sticks around until you I hit the yeah. uh, So, all of a sudden, Jarzak's axe starts to like give off this glow, and then... We'll say that there's like a supernatural level of like darkness that helps push it harder. Yeah, and just like looks like he's not used to that kind of force behind his swing with his fumble that he got <laughs> just completely like uh, off steps and just misses completely <laughs> fuck and they say you switch you and wah and they swing in ooh double 17s that's not even including bonuses so both of them come stabbing in with their shorty swords and you take total uh Five points of damage. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. Did you like the Morrowind reference there with you sweat? <laughs> now you die! I hate that game sometimes, but God, is it a drug. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to be like, I just I wasn't ready for this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just like, stop talking to us. We're trying to kill you. Uh, a 23? Yeah, that definitely hits one of them, lefty or righty. I'll go Middle right. Week. Okay. <laughs> Metal of them. <laughs> what do we got for damage on that one? It is 11. Another three for the wrath. It's 11 what? 11.30? So 14. Okay. 14 damage. Yeah, that kills the guy outright. So what does that look like? Uh... So, I Jarzak likes cutting them heads off, so I assume that's what he's going for. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay, so just quick, like, swift beheading. And with that, as soon, as soon as he does it, he looks at his friend who is with him and is just like, "Real shame they left you out here with me." <laughs> so that guy just looks back and he kind of puts two hands on his short sword and says, "Wait a minute, this isn't a versatile weapon." <laughs> so he pulls his dagger out. And so he swings in with a short sword, and he misses with a whiff, and he swings with his dagger, and he misses with a greater whiff of a four and a five. He's like, I thought he'd be a lot tougher, so Uh, I'm just going to regular attack this other guy. Okay. With a, fuck, a 13? That's a hit. Oh, yeah, these guys aren't yeah. wearing any shields or anything. It's just like leather armor, man. Well, yeah, that's usually enough to be more than 13. Man, we're playing meets and beats oh. it. Yeah, that's, and that is a great thing to be playing. 11 damage. 
Yeah, that kills him too. <laughs> Why don't we say Jarzak just being like, after he chopped that other guy's head off, he just slugs this guy in the face and kills him. Yeah. He's just like, you know what? What <laughs> you jerk? Okay. And so with that, the guy just falls to the ground with a thunk, and the head rolls down into the river, leaving the beheaded corpse and the other guy dead at the ground. And with that, Jarzak's going to do probably some weird ritual to, you know, <laughs> his weapon with the bodies and then throw them in the river. Very good. Did you want to take their armor or anything like that? No. No? Didn't feel like taking I'll, the... I'll look over the body, I guess, see if there's anything worth it. Yeah, okay. So apart from the uniform, um, that and the daggers and the short swords, I mean, it seems like in total they have, amongst the two of them, about seven gold and ten silver. I'll but take apart the from that. gold and silver. Okay. And so you toss them down to the water. Did you want to try to hide all the weapons that you've got and come walking into town anyway? Or are you just going to come walking into town and be like, suck my ass? Uh, yeah, look to see if there's any other guards. Yeah, they're all over the place up on the hill, but it doesn't seem like they're like on positions or anything like that. Yeah, Jarzak's going to move a little away from where he is now because I imagine there's some blood. Do you want to cross uh, the bridge and just head your way into the town itself? That's a lot of weapons to carry. Yeah, that's a <laughs> like You could wrap them up in the tent. Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll do that. You okay, so you wrap them up the, in the tent. weapons up in the armor of the guys and act like you're being escorted to town by one of them. <laughs> like, get in the town, poor boy! <laughs> I don't have to tell oh, oh, man for that. <laughs> Just, oh man, you guys are so mean. Forky, <laughs> like, uh, why do you sound like Miss Piggy? But anyway, yeah, so yeah, I guess he'll wrap him up and start heading to town. It's just Miss Piggy out there, just like get in the hole. God. Uh, quick question: Was one of the two he killed one of the the one that laughed at the hit the secret weapons? Or is he that guy in town? Because I would feel bad if it was one of the, the uh, oh. guy who giggled at the secret weapons comment. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That guy's safe. He's fine. Oh, okay. He's probably just picking his nose, watching the hanging and everything. Yeah. He's just sitting there just digging. He probably dropped his dagger. He's like, oh, this was a stabbing. <laughs> he dropped your dagger. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yes. Yeah, so, he's like, eh, we're going to a stabbing. <laughs> Just nobody once ever said stabbing. Anyway, at this point in time, the other three of you guys can see Jarzak bumbling up the hill with a very gangly pile of weapons and, or sorry, a tent as it were. And you guys had just kind of reconciled with the fact that that guy had a sapphire on his eye patch, right? And everybody's like, yeah, that's what I saw too. And Jarzak comes walking up with a big clankling pile of tent. He's like, uh, so... There's definitely, like, uh, two less guards on duty right now, and I don't know where they went. Yeah, they just... I guess I'm good to come in town now, so... <laughs> they changed their minds very quickly. Oh, Jarzak... Just in time, we were able to talk them down from executing Pyther. Oh, good. Yeah, these guards seem pretty legit in this town, so... Jarzak, I hope, I hope you didn't make two good friends with the guys out there, because... I'm pretty sure we're gonna have to go fight their boss. So Whoa. if if you if like you you're really close with them now, it's not gonna you're gonna have to burn that bridge, buddy. But I already <laughs> burned the bridge. No. 
just look back. That's just the reality. Did Fair just like, how are we getting home now, you ass? <laughs> like, I wanted to be able to say that line. Me and Klinka practiced this earlier. Listen, if we ever cross a bridge, I'm burning it down, and you have to make a reference to burning bridges with people, okay? So I'll make sure to come in after you guys. <laughs> That's <laughs> been planned for months. You guys have just like eight scenarios planned out in which something like that's going to happen. Be like, I guess we kept it in the family. Like, just what the fuck? How did you plan this? But anyway, I think that that's good for now. Think of- pulls out her one-liner bingo card and stamps one off. <laughs> and that's where we're going to end it. Goodbye. Hey, everybody. It's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.